דף ט"ז עמוד הלכה נמד בית, The full power of the word, כונן סוכה שאני עושה. We've learned and we're still in the process of learning of what incredible power the Torah gives the human being through his mouth. Just by the words we utter, the things we say, we can bring about real change to objects in the world, to things, to situations in the world. And as we talk about this and, and we deal with the mechanisms by which it work, these things work, it helps us relate to these ideas in a much more realistic way. As we apply our minds as we, as we will today, the difference between a neder and a shvuah, the two forms of making something forbidden, the idea of hektish, how it is that our mouth can change the status of an object, that our, mouth, our mouths can create a new prohibition, a new issue of the Torah, which was never given to us by the Torah. We created it ourselves. This power to be able to create, create forces in the world using our mouths is something we must relate to in a tangible way. It must be real. We must understand what it is when we talk Lashon Hara, what kind of energy we put out in the world, and we must be able to feel and be sensitive to the realism of that energy. Just as when we're makdish something, uh, we sanctify something for the temple or for the Beit HaMikdash, we set some money aside for tzedakah, our capacity to change the level of kudushah of that object, of, the, of that thing. We write a Sefer Torah or a pair of tefillin. A sofer can change the status of kudushah, the status of sanctity on that particular object. That's what a human being can do. A man can be Mekadesh and Isha and her status changes. We need to become familiar as we learn these ideas with the power of the mouth, the power of the word. Uh, and be, by analyzing the mechanisms by which this works, it's not just the halachic uh, ins and outs that are fascinating and interesting. What's important is that by thinking about it and applying our minds to it, uh, this all becomes part of our reality. It becomes part of our lives. And we're able to relate to the power of the word much more powerfully. So we've learned already that using the mechanism of hektash to set something aside for the temple, for the Beit HaMikdash, We can change the status of an object from chol, from something which is secular, regular, just an ordinary thing, to Kodesh. It can acquire the status of Kedusha, of sanctity, and with it a whole collection of halachot uh, that now apply to this object, whereas previously it didn't do so. We've also learned how you can transfer Kodesh from one object to another. If there's already Kedusha in a particular object, you've made something Kodesh, you've made it a Korban, set it aside for a sacrifice, or to dedicate it to the Beit HaMikdash, one can transfer that Kedusha. You can't obliterate that Kedusha. You can't annihilate it. You can't delete it. It's there permanently. You've introduced energy into the world. Energy can't be undone. You, you can create an object and undo the object you've created. But when you've created an energy in the world, you can't undo it. All you can do is you can transfer it. And so you can transfer the Kedusha of one object from that object onto another object. And using that same mechanism, the Torah gives us the power of Neder, which is to be able to make an object forbidden. Just as when you uh, transfer the sanctity of a sheep that you've put aside for a korban onto another sheep. 
um, or an object that you've put aside to give to the Beit HaMikdash and you transfer the sanctity onto money, which now belongs to the Beit HaMikdash, and there's no longer sanctity on the object which you originally gave to them, just as we can do that, we can also, using the power of neder, we can convert an ordinary object into an object of Isur, into an object that is prohibited to us, as if it were Kodesh, as if it were um, sanctified. With a neder, it's not sanctified. It's, it doesn't have sanctity as such, but it still has the laws of prohibition that apply as if it were an act of Kedusha. And then we have the mechanism of the shvua, which is very different, although it has a similar effect. <coughs> that is, I can make a shvua rather than a neder uh, to prohibit something. So I could say, uh, this bottle of wine is a neder, I take a neder that this bottle of wine is asur. So that bottle of wine now has attached to it an isur, a prohibition. It, beca- it acquires the status of something that is prohibited to me. However, if I make a shvua, I just say, I will not drink this glass, this bottle of wine. Uh, then it, it, it applies to me. I'm, I've applied this to myself. I've taken on the prohibition. It's not something which is attached to the bottle. The bottle is no different from what it was before. Uh, I'm somewhat different. I now have an additional law uh, applying to me that I may not touch that bottle of wine because of the shvua that I took. So we have two ways of changing the status of something. We can change the status of the object from mutar to asur. And bear in mind that when we change the status to Kodesh, we give it to the temple, we give it to the Beit HaMikdash, we make it into a korban, then it becomes prohibited to everybody. If it's just a neder, I can specify who it's prohibited to. So there's a subjective element to it. This bottle of wine is prohibited to me, or this bottle of wine is prohibited, if it's my own bottle of wine, to me and everybody in my family, or to me and you. I can determine if it belongs to me who should be prohibited. Uh, to drink that wine, and then the wine, the object of the wine is asur. Or I can say, I undertake not to drink the wine, in which case the wine is the same as it ever was, but I have now undertaken upon myself a shvua. And we have these two halachot in different parts of the Torah. In Parshas Vayikra, we have the laws of shvua. nefesh kiti lehitiv. And we have in Parashat Matot, in, in Bamidbar, we have Ishki Yidor Neder Lahashem. If a person takes on a neder, so the laws of Nedorim are in Matot and the laws of Shvua are in, uh, in Parashat Vayikra. What is the difference if, the, if it's applied to an object or it's applied to, to the subject? Well, there are a few differences. For example, the one difference which we, we've had already is you can't apply a neder to an intangible object. So if you're going to say this bottle of wine it now has the status of asur, of being forbidden to me, it has to be a tangible bottle of wine. I couldn't say, for example, as we've, we've learned already, that sleep is forbidden to me. Uh, because I, using the concept of neder, because sleep is an intangible object, I cannot attach isur to sleep. I can say, using shvua, I make a, a shvua that I will not sleep tonight. That is binding. That that absolutely affects me because I've attached it not to the object, I've attached it to the subject, I've attached it to myself. So that's one difference that we found, which our Mishnah on Daftesayan tells us, is one of the chumrot, one of the more severe aspects of a shvua, that a shvua can be applied 
to an intangible situation or to, or to an, a relationship with an intangible object, whereas a neder can only apply to a tangible object. A tangible object. But in today's piece of Mishnah and Gomorrah, we also learn about a chumrah, a more severe element in the darim. And that is a very interesting halakha. Konam If I say that I make a neder, using the idea of neder, that sukkot, the, the, any sukkah I make, I will not sit in it um, because the sukkah is, is asur to me. The lulav is asur to me. What then? We have a mitzvah to sit in the sukkah and I've just made it asur. Well, if I made it asur using a shvua, then it's not binding. If I made it asur using neder, it is binding. The reason that for shvua it's not binding is she'en nishba'in la'avor ala mitzvot. Because you cannot take a shvua on the person, on myself. Don't forget, a shvua applies to the subject, to the individual, not to the object. So what am I saying? I promise that I'm not going to sit in the sukkah, but I have a mitzvah to sit in the sukkah. That is an invalid statement, and we'll understand that better in a, in a moment. Um, but if it's a neder, I've attached a neder, an issue to the status of this particular sukkah or all the sukkot, uh, then that is binding. The Rambam states the halacha in, in, the, in the third parak of Hilchas Nedarim. He not only states this halacha and the difference between neder and shvua, but unusually for the Rambam, he gives the reasons for those differences. It's not just a statement of halachic fact. He actually gives the reasons. What does he say is the reason? After stating the law that there is this difference between a shvua and a neder, he says in halacha zayin, why is it that if I use the technique of neder, where I attach the prohibition to the object, it works even if the object is for the purpose of mitzvah? But if I use shvua, which is the subjective mechanism of applying the prohibition to myself, then if what I've prohibited myself from doing is a mitzvah, my statement is invalid. Because the one says the Rambam, who, who takes a shvua, is forbidding himself on the object. And the person who uses the mechanism of neder is doing the opposite. He is forbidding the object from being used by the subject, by me. So you see from there, if a person takes an oath to not to keep a mitzvah, he, he's taking it upon himself. Answers the Rambam, a beautiful idea from the Gemara. We are already committed. We've already taken a shvua on this matter. When we were at Har Sinai and every one of us was standing at Mount Sinai, that wasn't just a wondrous event. We weren't there only as participants, as audience. We weren't there as audience at all. We were there as participants. We entered into Brit, we entered into covenant with Hashem. We made a shvua. We, we accepted upon ourselves to swear to Hashem that we will keep the mitzvot of the Torah. That's something we need to know. It's not just some kind of cultural thing or, or, or halachic thing that because we're Jewish, we have mitzvot. We actually willingly entered into a deal with Hashem. And we need to honor that deal. And honoring that deal means we keep every shvua. So to, we keep that shvua and we keep every mitzvah. 
So now to make a shvua, to make a, to swear, to take a shvua that I won't keep a mitzvah, you can't do that. You're already bound. You don't have free choice about that mitzvah anymore. And that's such an important and a beautiful idea to understand that when we do a mitzvah, there's no free choice involved. We've already committed to it. It's like paying your debt. You're not doing anybody a favor by paying a debt. You've already committed to it. You have to pay that debt. And so we have to keep the mitzvot for en shvua halal shvua. And one shvua, one oath can't take effect over an oath that already exists. However, I'll say, davar zeh if you're going to use the neder mechanism, I'm making a neder and applying it to a lulav or to a sukkah. That object, that sukkah, that lulav, that has not been bound by any prior obligation or any prior swearing, any prior shvua. That's just an object. And therefore, I can apply the idea of the neder to that object. And as a consequence of that, I can no longer use that object for a, for a mitzvah. And so I either have to um, have the neder undone or the various things to do, but I can't use it. I can't sit in that sukkah just because it's a mitzvah. And in fact, the Nemukha Yosef is a very important rishon. We've spoken about him before. The Nemukha Yosef is 15th century, so he's at the end of the period of the rishonim in Spain. And there's been a lot of convergence of rishonim in Spain. We've got the riff and his school in, in Spain, much earlier, of course, and we've got a lot of the Balei Tosfot and the Rishonim from Europe have come to Spain and there's a convergence. And the Numeke Yosef gets the benefit of all of that. He's the Talmud of the Run, follows the school of the Ritva. So um, right at this end of the period of the Rishonim, the, the Numeke Yosef uh, is so, so valuable to us. And the Numeke Yosef says... But why doesn't this work? Because we should use the principle of at the end of the day, you've got a positive mitzvah to sit in the sukkah. You've got a negative mitzvah, a love. You may not transgress your, your neder, your oath. If that's the case, surely the positive mitzvah should outweigh the negative mitzvah and we should set aside the negative mitzvah for the priority of the positive mitzvah and allow you to sit in the, in the sukkah without any punishment for disobeying your word for, for, for um, not, not keeping your word. That's an ase doche lotase. And then Mickey Yosef very brilliantly explains that shelo amra Torah la'asot mitzvah b'isur hana'ah. The Torah never gave us any mitzvah to use a forbidden object for the mitzvah. That's not part of the mitzvah. When the Torah said sit in a sukkah, if the only sukkahs available are forbidden to you for whatever reason... That mitzvah doesn't exist. It's not as if there is a positive mitzvah and there's a negative mitzvah. There is no positive mitzvah to sit in a forbidden sukkah. There is no positive mitzvah to use a forbidden, forbidden lulav. And therefore, there's only the negative. There's only the neder that you made. And you may not use the sukkah and you may not use the lulav. One of the things we see from here is how um, important the, it is that the ends don't justify the means. We don't say the mitzvah of sukkah is so important, so if you've made an error, it doesn't matter, uh, you can still sit in the sukkah that you forbade upon yourself. No, you rather forego the mitzvah. You can't do something wrong in order to keep a mitzvah. You can't justify wrongdoing because it's a, because it's a mitzvah after all. You can't s steal money because you're going to give the money to charity or, or to a yeshiva. Uh, you can't be dishonest in business because you're going to give the profits away. Uh, in all of these cases, we can never allow ourselves to 
justify and rationalize the means in order to achieve a greater end. At the end of the day, not only is the end of what we do, the purpose and outcome of what we do, not only does that have to be tahor, pure, and dedicated to the right purpose, but the way we do it, the means that we do it, is just as important in the way we relate to the mitzvot and to our engagement with the world around us.